For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Oh, pay dirt! Pay dirt! Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Pater Podcast. I'm Tom Hannafin. He is Matt McGloin. Christmas is coming up in just a matter of days. And right after that, on New Year's Day, Penn State will take part in the Outback Bowl against Arkansas. However, on today's edition of Pater, we are going to dive into all the events over the last week in regards to National Signing Day, transfer portal news, returns for next season, and opt-outs. There's been plenty of information regarding players and especially what's going to be going on on the defensive side of the ball for the coaching staff once the Outback Bowl does roll around in about a week and a half's time. And also on this edition of Pater, we are joined by another one of the stars from that magical 2005-2006 Penn State football team, Tamba Holly, former Kansas City Chief and now a man who has umpteen skills it seems like joins us here on the podcast so we are so excited for this edition of pater thank you for liking commenting subscribing and turning on notifications the holiday season is upon us and bet online has you covered more props odds and lines than ever before bet online remains your number one spot for all the sports action head to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 percent welcome bonus with promo code believe 50 that's b-l-e-a-v Five zero to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the rest of 2021. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. The Pater Podcast is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. And of course, Funk Brewing is the official craft beer partner of the Pater Podcast. Uh, Matt, it's only a matter of days that people have the opportunity to take advantage of the 12 Days of Christmas sampler pack from Funk Brewing. And if we're lucky, you and I will get all of them from our buddy John, and no one will get them in time because we're greedy like that. <laughs> what what an awesome gift. I mean, what there is no better gift than to None. give someone than the gift of beer. Right. <laughs> if you're of legal drinking age. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, uh, Funk Brewing, um, you know, down they're down in Emmaus. They're in Elizabethtown. They have two locations. Follow them on social media. They were just posting about their triple citrus. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of the little citrus, uh, the silent disco. Cozy's a great one to uh, to drink this time of year. Um, you know, a lot of fantastic beers, Tom. Um, check them out. Um, again, if you're a picky beer drinker, they have a number of different types of IPAs or or lagers or, or different flavors uh, for you to check out. Trust us, their fresh, funky flavors will satisfy your craft beer-loving taste buds. You can find Funk Brewing at your favorite beer distributor and grocery store. For more information, visit funkbrewing.com to learn where and how you can get their fantastic products. You must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Well, it's the holiday season, and who doesn't enjoy a nice Yule log? That's right. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. 
that's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part? It's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped directly to your door in a discreet package. Now, you can have the merriest season of all. Be ready for that special someone under the mistletoe with Blue Chew. If you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code PAYDIRT at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code PAYDIRT to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the PayDirt podcast. Matt, there have been so many pieces of information and so many little details over the last week or so in regards to what players are staying, what players are going, who's playing in the Outback Bowl, who's chilling, who's staying at their mom's house. There's so much information out there. So I kind of want to walk through this one step at a time, and we can all just slowly digest most of this stuff. Um, One of the biggest pieces of news actually came out uh, yesterday. Uh, This is airing Wednesday. We're recording this on Tuesday. So this was just announced within the last few hours for us. Um, Safety Jair Brown has announced that he is returning uh, to play in 2022. That is huge, Matt. What do you think? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. Look, obviously, you know, he wants to continue to improve. He, he had a great year, he did. right? You know, but I think in a lot of ways, and we do, we talked about this on the podcast a little bit, Tom, how maybe his play was overshadowed a little bit by Brisker and, and, and some of the other guys on that team and some of the other guys in the secondary, Castro Fields and, and Joey Porter. So, look, this is a smart move for him, um, you know, to gain another year of knowledge, to have the opportunity to work with defensive coordinator Manny Diaz now. Right, get back in the film room, get back in the weight room, get stronger, get better mentally, um, understand the game uh, a little bit better. So th- this is great to see. It's great for for James Franklin. It's great for Penn State. And again, to have a leader like that return on your team, it makes the transition and the adjustment for a guy like Manny Diaz that much easier. So the point you said about Manny Diaz, from what I understand, it sounds like Anthony Poindexter will be the defensive coordinator strictly for the Outback Bowl. Uh, Manny Diaz is going to be there in more of an observatory, mm-hmm. CEO, head coach of the defense type of role that James Franklin has talked about. And then naturally, Diaz will take over formally in 2022. Um to Jair Brown, he will also be playing in the Outback Bowl. Um, I want to walk through right now, first of all, as I mentioned, all these comings and goings. Let's start with seniors that are staying or going. This is obviously very important. So we already know about Sean Clifford staying mm-hmm. for 2022. We just touched on Jair Brown staying for 2022. Um, wide receiver Norval Black has entered the transfer portal. Jahan Dotson is going to the Senior Bowl. However, he's not made a formal announcement yet on his future. Every expectation is that he is going to the NFL draft. Um, That just has yet to be named. And then there is the expectation Jahan will play in the Outback Bowl, provided that he is healthy. So it's just a matter of waiting to see how that plays out. One thing that's interesting uh, to see how it's developed, Matt, is the linebacker position with the Outback Bowl looming. Uh, Brandon Smith has opted out, and he is declared for the NFL draft. 
And the same for Ellis Brooks, um, who I have been singing the praises of and I think is going to be kind of flying under the radar in the draft because he's got a lot of talent. This leaves Curtis Jacobs as the lone starter on the roster for the Outback Bullet linebacker. What other guys are you going to be looking for to step up come New Year's Day against Arkansas? Well, we're going to find out. Right. You know, I mean, next next man up, Tom, that's really what it is. It's who wants it. Um, You know, I can imagine they're probably working through some of those things right now. Right. Who's going to fill that void left by those two guys? And listen, good luck. You know, it's not listen. And I know we've talked about this before and I've talked about this a number of times on on Sirius XM. Um, You know, I'm not against guys, you know, opting out or leaving. Obviously, I'm not for it, but I have nothing against those guys. That's their decision. That's fine. Making a big deal about making big deals about and doing things like that, trying to convince guys to stay. You know what I mean? I think that's where, you know, it's almost like wasted energy for me, at least. If you want to go, there's the door. That that's that's my thought. That's my philosophy, right? Let's right next man up mentality, Tom. And I think it's because I've dealt with something similar like this in, in 2012. Right? You know, guys staying, guys leaving, right? There are some guys, Tom. That and again, I don't know the situation for Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks. I, I don't know if they were just completely done or they had to have a conversation with Franklin or what. I don't know, it, but you know, it, it is what it is. Um, but there are some guys who you know you look at and it's like, all right, we need to have a conversation. This guy wants to be here. He's just unsure. But then there are some guys who you already know have one foot out the door. And it's better if they just continue to walk out the door. You know what I'm saying? So I'd rather have a guy who is 100% committed, 100% wants to be there, um, you know, somebody that wants to play. Um, and again, I've discussed the way I feel about um, you know these bowl games and what players should do. Right? You know, I think you should play, play for your families, play for yourself, you know, play for your teammates. Understand you only have so many opportunities. Um, so. Uh, you know, we'll see. I'm sure there'll be you know some more news as as we grow closer here to uh, to this bowl game. Yeah, and uh, next Wednesday on the podcast, obviously, we'll be doing a full breakdown of the game, so we'll have a really really clear idea of no doubt who's available. As will James Franklin, because I'm sure he and his staff are kind of going through the roster, being like, who's here, who's staying, who's mm-hmm. going. Um, to that point, I was making about linebackers. Um, Curtis Jacobs, obviously. We have the expectation that he is going to be playing in the Outback Bowl. Um, it seems like Jesse Lucetta, it probably at least for the Outback Bowl, will be moving from DN to linebacker to help shore that up. Whether they adjust their base defensive alignment to accommodate for that, uh, we're going to see what happens there. Uh, on the subject of Jesse Lucetta, as of when we're recording this, we're still awaiting a decision on his future. Definitely a guy who could have NFL aspirations. Um, some other guys that we're looking at in terms of, hey, what's their future hold? Um, PJ Mustafer, um, mm-hmm. very talented defensive tackle who got injured in the Iowa game earlier this season. His loss was felt very strongly along that defensive line uh, for the remainder of the season. The question is, he's pretty talented dude, Matt. What do you think? Is he a guy that you believe should go or should he heal up and come back to Penn State? I think, you know, I, I think it depends on where he's at mentally, right? Is he at a point, Tom, where he still feels like he has more left to prove, right? Obviously injured midway through the season. I mean, clearly he was the staple, you know, of that defense, especially up front, um, you know, but, but that's, if it's, if it's, if he's at a point where it's, he's thinking to himself, he's like, I just don't know if I can do it again. Maybe I need to move on. Then it's probably time that you move on, right? Continue to rehab, continue to get better, continue to get healthy, 
um, focus on your pro day, focus on the combine and, and, and focus on getting, you know, the best opportunity, um, at the next level. But if you're hungry, if there is even a little bit in your mind, Tom, where you're thinking, you know what, I'd like to go back for another year. I'd like to get better. I'd like to help my team. I'd like to improve. There's a few things that I didn't do well this year, things that I know I can do better and I can go back and even increase my draft, my draft stock and get better. Then I think you go back and everybody talks about the risk of being injured or, you know, it, look, every time you step on the field, practice, games, conditioning drills, there's always a chance of being injured. That, that's just that, that, that's the game. Right, that's the risk you take playing this game. But listen, I've always been the, the rewards by playing this game outweigh any, any of the risks, Tom. Um, and again, at the time of this recording, we're still awaiting decisions from guys like Cam Sullivan Brown, Anthony Wigan, Mike Miranda, Fred Hanser, uh, and Jonathan Sutherland. Sutherland, I think, is a unique circumstance because he's been a, a special teams guy, very well respected in the locker room. He earned captain status for the special teams unit, and he got a lot of reps on the defensive side of the ball, especially this past year or so with Brisker, we believe, going on to the NFL. I'd be shocked if he didn't. Uh, and then Jair Brown sticking around. Does Jonathan Sutherland really give that some serious thought? Because there's a very good chance you could see a lot of Sutherland playing for, on the defense uh, in the outback ball. Uh, look, look, let me start with this and going back. Uh, if I had a sixth year, I would have definitely went back. Right. And again, obviously, I, I was an undrafted guy. Right. So I would have stayed for 10 years if they let me. You know what I mean? <laughs> but again, no, it was the situation that I was in. Right. I was right. a fifth year senior, Bill O'Brien in year one. Right. I had, I learned that, had to learn that offense in what, eight months, right? Mm. Seven months, whatever it may be. So to have the opportunity to have, you know, that time learning it to play a season and then, you know, a whole another year of that offense and, and and playing at that level, man. Yeah. I would have definitely gone back for another year. I just think like, again, we talked about that. We said, it's probably the best decision Sean Clifford could make right now is going back for another year. A guy like John, Jonathan Sutherland. I think that's a smart move for him. The opportunity to play a lot more football. And if I'm Manny Diaz, I'm trying to get these guys to come back for another year because again, that makes my job so much easier. I'm not, I'm not dealing with new guys being put in and guess what? Hey, you have to gain experience while also learning a new system, right? There's a massive difference between having a guy who already knows what he's doing and then just learning an offense. Again, similar to something I had to do with Bill O'Brien. I had played a lot of football, right? So I understood certain situations, games, moments, things like that. So I had a, but I, I had to learn a completely new offense. That was it. There wasn't like I was a brand new quarterback or a blank canvas, um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see Tom, you know, and again, when, if you're a coach and you know, you can argue that, Hey man, you're, you're going to play a lot more football. If you come back, mm -hmm. makes, it makes your decision. It should make your decision pretty easy. You never know that one season of tape or one, you know, say it takes one year, it takes one year. Any starter yeah. gets the opportunity to only start for one year. And that's the tape that you got that yeah. maybe got you to the NFL or yeah. uh, one of the, even a chance, Tom, even a right. chance. Mm -hmm. Because again, I know I'm again, I, I had like really what I had one, like that fifth and final year for me at Penn state. That's just, that's what got my foot in the door. Mm -hmm. And that's all you need is an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Get into a camp somewhere 
And then you go from there, right? It's, it's yeah. steps. It's a process. It's under understanding the system. Um, so again, yeah, if you have a chance to go back, really, really, really consider it. The funny thing, uh, you know, you mentioned, uh, these guys, uh, you know, with the, they're, they're seniors and it's like, oh, okay, you know, what's their decision going to be? And we're kind of waiting on it. And are you trying to get to the NFL? The odd thing about having this six year of eligibility is that all of a sudden a, an invitation to the senior bowl doesn't necessarily mean you're gone. Um, guys like Jahan Dotson, Arnold Abiketti, Jesse Lucetta, Jaquan Brisker, and kicker Jordan Stout are uh, going to the Senior Bowl this year. So, like, there is an opportunity that you could be like, oh, I'm playing in the Senior Bowl, and then you could do it again a year <laughs> later, which is kind of insane when you think about it. Yeah, like, that's that's unheard of. Is that what they're doing now? Is that, I think can you, you can do that? do that. I mean... <laughs> I think the other thing that these players have to consider, Matt, is that the way that James Franklin and many schools across the country have talked about NIL, um, it's something that James Franklin in the last few weeks has said that Penn State plans to be very aggressive in terms of what they can offer student athletes in regards to name, image, and likeness. So is that something that, man, maybe that's that's a big reason why you're coming back to school? Well, now, yeah, definitely. Because look, if I'm if I'm if I'm somebody, Tom, who you know, I'm projected to be maybe a fifth or sixth round guy, right? Not that there's anything wrong with that, right? I mean, obviously the dream is to have your name called, right? Everybody wants their name called. Um, but if you can come back and make some money, right? And then while doing that, increase your draft stock, draft stock mm -hmm. that's a win-win situation. It's a home run right there. So it's it's smart by, by Franklin. It's smart by these coaches, again, using that, as one of your arguments as to why players should come back. And uh, these are kids, so get your diploma. Get your education. Absolutely. Because if it's Absolutely. not going to be certain to play at the next level, make sure you're committed on that front. So uh, and as we speak to Tom Bahali later. Mm -hmm. That man dabbles in everything he wants to dabble in in life, and he was very fortunate. Spend well over a decade in the NFL. That doesn't happen for everybody. Um so that's kind of the situation with a lot of seniors um, in regards to the transfer portal. Nothing really earth shattering. A lot of things that people frankly knew was coming. Uh, Taquan Roberson has officially received an offer from UConn. So congratulations to Taquan. Um, Tyler Rudolph is headed to UMass and offensive lineman Des Holmes, we understand, has entered his name into the transfer portal uh, in regards to additions from the transfer portal. No real news on that. Penn State have been pursuing um, UNLV linebacker slash defensive end Jacoby Winmon. Uh, however, he was picked up by the Michigan State Spartans. And there is an offer to Cornell offensive lineman Hunter Norzad uh, as of the time we're recording this. No decision really has been made yet. So it's still kind of wait and see. James Franklin was very public this week, and it's, it's this interesting time in college football. And Lane Kiffin from Old Miss said this. He was like, it's free agency now. Yeah. And it's not going to be uncommon to hear a head coach like James Franklin step up to a microphone and say, we're looking for a receiver. We're looking for linemen on the offensive side of the ball. We're looking for uh, defensive backs like he put out a lot of different positions of need and it was kind of a flyer just like hey but this is what we're looking for come check us out is, isn't that weird to you it, it's it's crazy like that they're gonna have to draw a line somewhere right because this thing is just it's getting it, it's getting I, I, it's getting ridiculous i mean i almost agree with Dabo because i know I, I saw something Dabo was talking about he wants it to go back to where if you transfer you have to sit out a year where I agree with yeah. that. I actually agree with that. 
I right? completely I, I mean, disagree. Considering the way coaches move around, I think that's I mean, hypocrisy. But it's just if that's what makes it so easy for you to move on, and so easy for you to be like, you know what, I don't be here anymore. I'm in on the transfer portal. I'll be able to play immediately somewhere else. Right? I mean, that's it's so simple, right? And we again, we've discussed situations like that before on this show, and you know what what we think of that. But I mean, the, it, moving forward, they're going to have to figure something out because it's get it's it's getting crazy right now, Tom. Yeah. That's pretty wild. And it's going to get wilder just because this incoming class for 2022, we just wrapped up the early intent portion of the National Signing Day. This is an excellent class that Penn State yeah. brought in. Number yeah. seven uh, on uh, on paper, at least nationally. Um, some of the headliners are quarterback Drew Allar. Uh, running back Nicholas Singleton is an absolute stud and has gotten a lot of national acclaim. Um, there are plenty of other guys that are coming in that are going to be able to make an impact. And you and I both know there's positions like wide receiver, offensive mm-hmm. line, defensive line. Uh, and now we just talked about some of the opt-outs at linebacker. There are going to be opportunities for some of these guys to maybe work their way in. If it happens in year one, you're you're thrilled. But year two, it's like it's a practical circumstance. Well, so yeah, what she, did you think of the signing day class? Yeah, it's fantastic. Uh, incredible job James Franklin and company have done with this recruiting class, bringing in top two recruits, even with the way – the past two years have gone, um, you know, so uh, again, they've done a great job. Let me ask you this question though, Tom, with everything that I brought, I bring up the past two seasons with everything that's happened over the past two seasons. If they struggle again in 2022, do they get a pass because of how great this recruiting class is? And everybody will, you know, think that, well, in time, this class will take us to where we need to go. Was 2020 not already the year that you got a pass? Was 2021 because it was supposedly a building year for this contract, this extension, the stimulus package? You know, like how many of these years are we going to be okay with as Penn State fans? Yeah, no, I mean, look, I I completely agree. It's it's a win now mentality everywhere. And there's more pressure now than ever on young players to play immediately and not just play immediately, but to succeed immediately, which is... Is it's very unfair, right? Because I think I think more times than not that doesn't always work out. I mean, sure, there's a handful of times where a young kid gets thrown in and he dominates, like like Caleb Williams from Oklahoma, or even like Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? And I'm I'm mm-hmm. I'm thinking of quarterbacks because they're, you know, some of some of these these players over the, the past few years have have done incredible early on. But it's you know, I don't know, man. It's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see the way. It plays out, you know, moving forward for Penn State and James Franklin. I think a lot of guys are going to be looking at uh, a lot of Penn State fans are going to be looking at Singleton to mm-hmm. maybe crack the starting lineup at running back. Uh, the opportunity is certainly there. And he to- should. And he should. Tom, I don't mean yep. to interrupt you. And he should. But that's where it makes sense because of what the running mm-hmm. game was this year. And something you were just talking about in terms of quarterbacks, this is a fascinating quarterback room. All of a sudden, um, you can fast forward to 2023 and wonder. Is Drew Allar still in that room? Is Christian Veyu still in that room? Um, and then there's Bo Perbula, who was part of this uh, signing day class and is being compared to Trace McSorley in terms of athletic ability. So th- this is an outstanding quarterback room that could be developing. And we haven't said that about Penn State in a long time. And you've been in some, some quarterback rooms where you were like, I'm better than that guy. So <laughs> it's, it's a good thing. But, uh, you know, that type of depth, it's a blessing and a curse. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I, 
similar situation at Ohio State, right? This past year, right? They had four quarterbacks there that were, you know, four star or higher recruits. Two of them ended up leaving because of the year CJ Stroud had. That is where I think the transfer portal is a good thing, where you know this guy's going to be the guy for the next few years. I'm not going to be able to play here. Thanks for the opportunity, but I'm going to move on. I think that's where it's a good thing. So, are all these guys going to stay at Penn State, you know, over the next year or two years? Probably not. Um, but it all depends on where Sean Clifford goes in 2022. Does he get better? Is it the Sean Clifford we saw in the early portion of this season? Um, if he struggles, I can see them going to somebody else this year. Got to be plenty of competition right on his heels. Um, before we get to the interview with Tom Bahali, given all this information that we just kind of sped through, I understand it was a lightning round, but opt-outs, transfers, who's returning, who's staying, all these things, and then incoming recruits. The Outback Bowl is about a week and a half away. Do you feel positive about that matchup now, considering some of the names that are going to be absent and that are going to be playing? Do you feel a little bit wary about it? What's your gut say right now? Um, No, I mean, I definitely still feel good about it for Penn State. You know, I think they should have every opportunity to win this football game. Um, you know, the way the defense has played all year. And I've always talked about Penn State's ability to get players reps throughout games and throughout the course of the season. So obviously, look, the loss of Brooks and the loss of Smith is huge. But it's a next man up mentality. And those guys behind him have played a ton of behind them have played a ton of football. So, you know, I, I, I don't see it being a huge problem. I mean, obviously their their absence, you know, will be known and you know, you'll be able to see it on, on a handful of plays. Um, but guys have experience, guys have played a lot of football. Um, so should they should be able to fill those voids left. Um, you know, it, it's it's a great matchup. Um, you know, again, Penn State should be in every have every chance to win this game. Not long off now. So next week on the Pater Podcast, we will have a full breakdown of this matchup, Penn State versus Arkansas, New Year's Day, the Outback Bowl in Tampa Bay, Raymond James Stadium, noon kickoff. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, it'll be nice to have a game <laughs> for right, Penn State. Yeah. I'm excited yeah. about it, and especially with all the issues going on with COVID right now in sports. Mm-hmm. Fingers crossed that everything goes uh, smoothly. So without further ado, in a matter of moments, we'll be joined by one of the stars of the 2005-2006 Penn State football team, defensive end Tom Bahali, one of the most beloved figures in the history of Nittany Lion football. Tom Bahali is next. But before we get to that, say goodbye to dull gifts. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the brightest gift of the year. Using cutting-edge technology and innovative techniques, they've cracked the science of sparkle creating the highest quality lab-grown diamonds you can find at a light price, $800 per carat. They have the same chemical makeup of natural diamonds, but just are grown in a lab. Because of their process, they can create stones in blush pink and beautiful blue, as well as classic white. Lightbox lab-grown diamonds are the gift they'll never want to take off price, so they won't have to. They really do make any outfit sparkle. Visit lightboxjewelry.com to add sparkle to your holiday shopping. That's lightboxjewelry.com. Lightbox diamonds, never a dull moment. All of us involved in the Pater podcast are proud supporters of THON, also known as the Penn State Dance Marathon. THON is a year-long effort dedicated to raising funds and awareness for its sole beneficiary, 
Four Diamonds at Penn State Health Children's Hospital. Thon is the largest student-run philanthropy in the world, committed to enhancing the lives of children and families impacted by childhood cancer. Four Diamonds picks up where insurance leaves off to relieve financial stress and provide emotional support so that no family ever has to see a medical bill. Since 1973, Thon has raised over $190 million in the fight against childhood cancer. To learn more about Thon or to donate, visit Thon.org. That's T-H-O-N dot O-R-G. It's all for the kids. Make a difference in the life of a child today. And on another personal note, we want to take this opportunity to put a spotlight on mental health with a new initiative called Tag Me In. Tag Me In is simply asking for people to tag in on the conversation and help strip away the stigma around mental health. Whether you're looking to lend support, you want to talk, you want to share, maybe you need some help. We invite you to join in on the conversation. We encourage you to make a video if you'd like, post it on your social media channels, and use hashtag tag me in and hashtag tag me in united. At the very least, we want to hear from you. You are not alone. Tag me in. Visit tagmeinunited.com to learn more. And without further ado, joining us, not only Tamba Holly, but also his son, James Holly, so this is a big get for us, Tom, but thank you for getting James to do this on his busy schedule. That's the important <laughs> thing to us. Um, I understand you guys have got a big family vacation coming up this holiday season, so we really appreciate you taking the time. Um, how are things with you? What's been going on since you retired formally from the NFL? Uh, things things have been going well. Um, I got married. Uh, we have uh, about five kids now, um, four boys, one girl. Uh, I've been doing music. I enjoy doing music throughout my my life, but especially now, I enjoy doing it. Um, went back home, um, you know, trying to do some things back home. But <clears throat> I have, you know, I have children here, so it'll be hard to do the things I want to do back home as well as raise children here. Um, so, you know, I'm taking it a step at a time. Um, but just enjoying, you know, enjoying the time because. You know, this is time I really never had when I came to the country. I just, you know, just got into it, just got into it. And um, this is like the first time I ever had freedom, you know, to say and be able to maybe express myself the way I want. Now, when you talk about back home, for those that don't know, uh, you had immigrated to the United States uh, from Liberia. When you look back on your life and the challenges that you have had to deal with, obviously coming to the United States and then trying to make it in major college football, making it a very successful career in the NFL. And now all the things that you dabble in from music to Brazilian jiu-jitsu to having a family. I mean, it, it seems like something if you wrote it for a movie, it would be unbelievable. How often do you get to reflect on that? Uh, I, I kind of look back at it. It's kind of, it is kind of surreal for me, you know, how my life has panned out. Um, uh, it's a lot of us that came from that war and, you know, it's not a lot of us that have had the success that I've had. Um, but, you know, I, again, I think it, I credit it to my faith and how I go about uh, that part of my life, because that was that was like a foundation for me uh, growing up um, in the church. My stepdad being a minister. Um, and my mom being a minister. So that kind of held us together, um, you know, throughout the time. But I look at my life and even me at times, uh, 
you know, while doing music, I may look at myself and like, you're a big guy, you know, what are you trying to, <laughs> you trying to fit in? Where are you trying to fit in? You know, and I, and I kind of just, you know, reflect on it a bit, but I don't let it bother me. I just do what I love and do it with my heart. Well, you are a big guy. Uh, and I saw on your Instagram, the last photo that you posted, it's you on a throne it's absolutely spectacular. Can you explain what the, the inspiration was for that and what it's for? Oh, well, I went back home and uh, there's a song I did with this guy named Christoph. He's, uh, he's a big time artist in Liberia. Um, and it's called Whoa. It's almost like maybe you know, 21 months old. We didn't shoot the video for it. And when I came back, I, um, a, a director named Parachute, he came up with this concept that, you know, I should be, you know, sitting on the throne. And, you know, sometimes you have to let those guys carry out what they envision. But I'm I'm such a stickler on what I want, but I, I kind of give in and say, okay, wh whatever you guys want, let's see how it comes out. So, you know, it's a video uh, shoot for a song named Whoa. And this is how he presents me, you know, like I'm some king on the throne. <laughs> <laughs> it looks pretty cool, man. It's it's really cool. Congratulations on all that. Um, and obviously, the the purpose, Tom, of our podcast is we cover Penn State football. And you know, Matt, when I think about Tomba, I remember being there in the student section when you turned Troy Smith on his head. And Matt, I know Penn State fans like that's one of the greatest highlights in the history of the program. Yes, that that picture is everywhere. That video clip, Tomba. And Tom, as you know, will be played forever in Penn State highlights, Penn State, Ohio State highlights. Um, it's just one of those moments you look back and it'll live on and white out history, you know, at Penn State. It's just in uh, that game, Tom, but the 2005 game, Penn State, Ohio State, that really like that cemented the whiteout and what it is today. What was it like, like playing in that game for the first time and now seeing what it's become? Um, it was one of the, uh, I want to say the greatest moments in my life because I've never seen anything like that. We, we had losing season prior and coming into that season, we had a magical game against Northwestern. Um, we had the, it was like fourth and 15 and, um, Smoko caught that ball. And it's like, you know, after that, everything went through and then coming into that, that kind of atmosphere where Ohio state was, you know, ranked pretty high. And um, uh, I, all I remember when during that game is what Joe used to do to us during practice. Um, we were we were scrimmage a 16 play drive and then he would stop practice and then would do four gashers. So, you know, one back two, <laughs> four. So we'll do four of those and then we'll scream in a scrimmage, another 16 play drive. Basically, you know, you're going in slow motion at one point and, that was kind of how I felt during that game. Like you just needed a last effort to come through. So something could happen. Um, the, the, the fans were, it was an, an electrifying kind of night, you know, everybody was excited. And, uh, but that's what come, came to my mind at that time during the game, you know, while um, playing on how much we worked, you know, to get to that point. And that's what it is. Like a lot of a lot of people, you know, always try to make the arguments like, well, they wanted it more. This team, everybody wants it. Everybody wants to win. But what it comes down to, Tom, but a lot of times is like 
who can focus in those moments late in the game, right? Everybody's tired, but who's stronger mentally. And, you know, I always look back, you know, Tamba to, you know, my days at Penn state, when I would walk in the weight room and I would see you training there in the off season. And, you know, I, I, I remember, like, I, I remember thinking, I'm like, look at the size of this guy. Like your, your shirt would be soaked. In, your shirt would be soaked in sweat. And like, I'm I'm just thinking to myself, like, yeah. I mean, th- this guy's an absolute animal, you know, and fast forward to the NFL, you know, we had the chance to, to play against one another when you were in Kansas city and I was in Oakland in 2016. And yeah. obviously I had the chance, you know, I was a backup, you know, for a little while there. So I had a chance to to, uh, you know, watch you, you know, you know, uh, 2013, you know, 14, 15, when, uh, you know, when Oakland played, played Kansas city. Um, but like your work ethic was unmatched and it's easy to see why you had so much success, you know, and, and everybody talks about, you got to put the work in, you got to put the work in, but you know, as we know, some people don't, you obviously did that throughout your entire life, throughout your entire career. Where does that work ethic come from? Uh, I, I think I, I, during the war, I, I want to say, um, from Liberia, the amount of walking that I had to do as a young man, um, it's unheard of. I mean, at times we would have to walk all day um, in one direction and then turn around at the end of the day, walk. And you're talking like, I live in Overland Park, so from Overland Park to like, let's say the stadium, but walking. You know, it's a 20 minute drive, but walking and then you turn around and Mm -hmm. walk back. So, you know, that kind of drive came from those those times during the war where, you know, you know, no food at times and you just had to live through the night hungry. Um, But I I don't know where it comes from, apart from uh, I just felt like you work hard, you work smart, but you work hard. You got to outwork people you know talent is there but you just have to outwork them you got to be more conditioned um you know and I kind of pride myself more on that because I knew during the first second even third quarter guys would be there but I knew that there's a part in the game where they get tired because of of the amount of work that you're going to put in I mean a lot of battles you're going to lose I mean as as far as my position those guys are bigger stronger um, but you just keep working. And um, I think it's in my dad. I think it's in my mom. It's, uh, I think it just passes down. I see it in my kids. They just love what they do and they work hard at it. You know, when you look back at your career at, at Penn State, you know, you matched your work ethic with arguably, arguably the best defensive line coach in America and Larry Johnson. Yeah, for sure. Right. I mean that, that your work <laughs> ethic and him, man, that is a dangerous combination. You know, how, how special of a coach was he in your life and, and what type of impact, you know, did he have on your life and your career? Well, coach Johnson was like a father figure. Um, he took you in like a son. So it wasn't, you wasn't just a player. He came to his home, his wife. I still have a relationship with them to this day. Um, you know, he, she would cook, she, you know, she would advise. Um, but on the field, he he's just one of those guys that expect you to give 100% each time. And, you know, I embraced it. I, I, enjoyed, uh, I enjoyed playing for him because he, his faith also was part of the way he coached. 
you know, all, you would uh, come out with stories from the Bible, you know, like, you know, Goliath's stories, uh, David's stories, and, um, you know, the, the different ways to motivate us on how to go about the game that day. And I remember guys from other rooms would come into our room because it would sound like we're in church. You know, it sounds like one of those Pentecostal. <laughs> Everybody's real quiet. Be. Everybody's real calm. Yeah. <laughs> Where is his preaching going hard, you know? <laughs> but, um, yeah, Coach Johnson, uh, I mean, I'm forever indebted to how he coached technique. When I got in the league, a lot of guys didn't know how to play technique. I was so far ahead, um, you know. So, you know, playing for Coach Jay, I want to say definitely helped me prepare for uh, life in the NFL. When you look at that 2005 team, and I mean, one of the best teams in the history of Penn State football, and it's a lot of, a lot, a lot of Penn State fan favorite, right? Fans love that mm-hmm. team. And, you know, you talked about it earlier where Penn State – they were struggling leading up to that point. You look back, like really four out of the previous five seasons were tough yeah. um, for, for Penn State football. Did you know going into that year that you had a special group, a group of talented guys, or was it more of, you know, look, our backs are against the wall here. We're struggling. We have nothing to lose here. So we got to go out and, and dominate because that's really that old five that started that all five season time, but that was really the start of a fantastic run. I mean, Penn state won 67 games over the next seven years. Yeah. Um, we, we always knew we had talent. Um, <clears throat> the recruiting class that came in that year really helped us, you know, uh, Dion Butler, um, Darren, uh, D Wills, um, so a couple of guys there, um, Justin King, uh, those guys definitely, we, they brought a, a little more dynamic to how we wanted to play the game on offense. And then having a quarterback like Michael Robinson, um, you know, obviously helped us tremendously throughout the year. We were special. We didn't know how special we were, to be honest with you. We can't say, oh, you know, we were, we were really good on defense. I, I remember the year prior, we didn't let, uh, any team score over 21 points. So we knew we had a good defense, but as far as offense, we struggled. Um, but I think we even, we had a, a chance. Is, man, I don't, don't want to, we had another coordinator come in. I forget his name, but, you know, we, Coach Paterno shook up a little bit. I think they went to Texas, saw what Vince Young and those guys were doing. Um, came back, kind of instilled that kind of offense into the into the scheme what we're running. But uh, we were special, but we didn't know how special we could have been or were because of you know when you have a when you have a team that's lost a lot of games, it's really hard to break that mindset. You know, especially when they're in a game where they gotta you know come back and win the game, stuff like that. It's really hard. You know, I, I, I experienced it here in, um, in the league until Andy Reid came around. You know, we, we would get down and kind of know the game is over, you know. And Andy came with that same kind of mentality. You know, he's going to change the culture. You know, we just never stop playing. And, you know, you can see that with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs this year as well. But, yeah, we didn't know how special we were. We just went out there and we played our hearts out. 
you mentioned uh, Coach Paterno. You know, I, I we, we had uh, Puzz on our, our show last week, and I asked him, you know, some of his favorite, favorite Joe stories. So we'd love to hear Joe stories if you have any. But, you know, talk about, you know, I asked you about the impact of playing for, for Coach Johnson. Talk about the impact Joe had, you know, on, on your life and career. Well, <clears throat> I, I got a few stories. Uh, one that stuck out the most was, you know, being in high school. Um, being highly recruited. I mean, I could go anywhere in the country. And Joe showed up with Coach Johnson. And um, I mean, that Paul Pascaloni and those guys were from Syracuse was waiting outside. And, and Joe showed up and I had basketball practice. You know, after he talked, he said, you know, my hair was like, you know, I had half hair, you know, it was braided, you know, it's all crazy looking. And you know how Joe was a stickler, you know, you had to look you got to look like you, you're somebody, not some thug. Uh, but Joe came in and said, you know, Tom, if, you know, if this is the place you want to be, we'll, we'll love, you, love to have you. If it's not, it's, you, know, it's, you know, we'll understand. But then afterwards, I went to practice and Joe came to practice and started practicing with us. So, you know. <laughs> what do you, so what do you I, mean like practicing with you? Like explain what he was doing. Like, like he got on the court, you know, was playing defense and he, you know, took the ball. And <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. You know, Joe's short. So you can imagine <laughs> we, we got some tall guys, you know. Not so much that he was short. He was just pretty old at that point. <laughs> yeah. But Joe was, I mean, Joe was so down to earth. You can just talk to him. Joe, Joe would bring us to his house to, you know, sit there, have dinner with his family. Um, I mean, Joe was cool, but Joe was, Joe was tough. You know, the story of where I got in trouble for, I didn't get in trouble, but it, we're in camp and, you know, a girl comes pick me up and, uh, you know, it's during the day and, She's taking me somewhere and Joe cuts his car in front of the, you know, in front of the girl gets out the car, you know, who's in there? It's your time to get out of there. So I get, <laughs> I get out the car, you know, Joe is going to suspend <laughs> me for like three games of the season. And, the, you know, the captains, Paul and, and, and uh, Mike and AZ had to come up and tell him, said, but Tamba was not breaking any rules, you know, and, you know, Joe called me in and say, you know, these girls will get you in trouble, Tamba. Just gotta, you gotta stay out of it. <laughs> yeah, Joe was tough. You're so you're like you're not that far removed, you know, from from Penn State, Tamba. Obviously, you're a member of the 2006, uh, you know, NFL draft class and 12 years in the NFL, which you know, which is a lifetime in, in an NFL career. I mean, you're only 38 years old. So when when you look back. And, and you mentioned Joe and like, that was, that was the thing you were going to go to class. You're going to graduate. You're going to play on Saturdays. Everybody knew that, right. You were going to be, you were going to become the student athlete that, that everybody yeah. wanted to be. And, you know, there's that great picture that I've seen a thousand times of you and Joe, um, you know, you're in your graduation cap and gown. Um, yeah. You know, when you look at where the game is today, um, you know, our, our programs, but I guess on, it depends on, you know, what program it is, what you value, what's important, right? Are some programs and, and some student athletes, are they starting to lose sight of what's important when it comes to college football? Uh, you know, I, I, I can, I can say that because of what the NFL presents. Um, 
uh, as far as for me, you know, it's, it's, a, it's been a journey when I got here, I couldn't read and write. Um, I could speak the language with a heavy accent, but I couldn't read and write. So to have the opportunity to graduate from college and, and um, you know, if I want to use that degree, obviously it's broadcast journalism. If I want to use it, there's plenty of opportunity for me to go about it. Um, but to have that opportunity is huge. You know, a lot of guys don't don't graduate. And and because the money is on the table from the NFL, you know, you, you get the what, what, what you get this um, thing where guys go to the NFL, make a lot of money. And then five, 10 years later, they're broke. You know, that's just kind of a reflection of education. If, if you're well educated, you know how to manage those things. Um, if you're not, you get in the league, you know, make your money and blow it because you didn't, you know, you didn't take school seriously and you wouldn't understand how to manage those, you know, funds because <laughs> money is not forever. If you don't know how to yeah. use it, it's a tool. You obviously gonna run out of it. But school is very important. I, I, I think it helped me. Um, the way I conducted myself throughout the league, you know, being in those classes all the time, working with those teachers, it's the same way you have to work with different, different personalities on, on a team um, from the whole organization. So if, if you don't develop that skill early on in, you know, in college, it's hard to translate. We've seen a lot of good players into the league and just get big headed and, <laughs> and don't realize it's not it's not your talent that's taking you it's more your character sure. um so in school has a lot to do with that and, but yeah i think i agree with you i think a lot of people take it for granted because money is already on the table and you're a good athlete uh, last two for me and i'll pass it back to tom tom but thanks so much for you know for for jumping on the show today this is this has been fantastic man 12 you know and i'm a huge fan i i, I never been, you know i never expressed that to you but I enjoyed watching you play the game. I, I That's promise. Awesome. Thank you. This Thank is you. no joke. I mean, I enjoyed watching you throughout your career. And I just wanted to say that because I don't know if we've had another quarterback as good as you since. I, I appreciate that. I really that. mean that. Yeah. That, I, I really appreciate mean that, that, man. That's uh You played so well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, man. Like, I, 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 I say it all the time. I, I had the best of both worlds throughout my college career. I had the opportunity to play for Joe for four years. And then I had a guy like Bill O'Brien for my fifth and final yeah. year. So like, I mean, it, it, it couldn't have gotten any better for me. And like some guys that play today, I mean, they don't have, you know, one coach that makes an impact on their life and career. Whereas I had two. So I'm very fortunate. Yeah. I'm very blessed, man. Um, you know, and when you look at your career, you know, 12 years, six Pro Bowls, you were an All-Pro, obviously a fan favorite in Kansas City. How special was it playing your entire career in one city? It was uh, it was a big deal. Um, there's, there's a lot of things that I look at that goes into the, that decision. I, I was Clark Hunt, Clark, the owner. I was his first, like, draft pick, but I also was his father last pick, you know, the year before he passed. I was the, you know, his last pick. And um, and then throughout my career there, uh, they kept me. They could have they let me go, but they kept me with the staff. We had different, different coaches coming and going, but they felt that, 
you know, it was a family. The, the connection they had, you talk about uh, Carl Peterson. Carl Peterson had a lot to do with my mom coming to the country. Um, he knew a senator named Jack Kemp who was in Buffalo and a former uh, player as well. You know, he has passed, but Jack just wrote the letter and my mom was able to just get on the plane and come to the States. It's not that easy, you know. And, um, so there, there was a lot of things that played into why I enjoyed playing for Kansas City and I worked hard at it and the organization is more like a family. Uh, I didn't play for anyone else so I can't speak about anyone else but most of the guys that came to Kansas City while I was there say yes this place is unlike where they were because of how how the interaction with the owners with the coaches and and how they you know they pride themselves on a certain way of doing things and um so, yeah, I mean, it was special to me, the fans, uh, I mean, <laughs> coming out in Kansas City almost was like playing for Penn State because of the fans. Mm -hmm. They love football here. It's it's a, a barbecue festival every Sunday morning. You, you drive in and they're waiting for you. You walk in there, you know, there's people on the top waiting for you and cheering you on. Um, but I, I enjoyed my time. Obviously, I could have played more. But, you know, I was burnt out. You know, football is one of those things. I, I did it from here and I was burnt out. I got to a point where I felt like well, there's no reason for me to go and chase numbers and you know, 100 sacks. I know people say this thing. I said, listen, man, I did what I could. I love what I did. And that's what I could do on the field. And let's let's call it that. I, I'm not chasing anything. I just love what I did. That, that was the impression I got from Kansas City. I signed with them in 2018. Um, just a fantastic organization. Um, you know, they released me the first day of the season, which was uh, very, very difficult for me, Tom. But <laughs> so, uh, but anyways, Tom, Tom, last one from me. Yeah. Um, last I saw Tomba, you were a purple belt. Are you still training Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with uh, with Henry Gracie? Yeah, I, I am. Um, I'm a brown belt now. Um, uh, to become a brown belt, I had to pretty much uh, train with one hand. So as big as I am, I would have one hand in the belt and I would go against guys who would, you know, either submit me or at least mount me and I have to defeat them. And uh, so that was, I trained for a whole year with uh, a guy named Dave. He's a, he's a black belt under the Gracie's here. And then we uh, we got Hiron, who's the old eldest brother. We got Hiron to come down and uh, take me through um, the blue belt. Uh, stripe one, there's, there's a sequence of different, like 68 different techniques that you must know. You just have to know if you, you know, if you're going to start progressing. So, yeah, I am a brown belt now and the journey continues to black next. <laughs> Is absolutely terrifying for a man your size to have that many skills. Is absolutely <laughs> the, so, and and to that point, Tamba, and uh, I'll end on this because I'm all about hard hitting journalism. Is that when I was in school, um, I, we both did broadcast journalism, as did as did Matt. One of the assignments that I had was to go attend the fly fishing class and collect gnat sound. And the calling card for that class was that, oh, Tom Bahali has taken this class. 
Um, and I remember being out there in this tiny stream and being like, I don't know how they fit Tamba in here. Um, what was that experience for you? <laughs> you know, there are certain gen eds you just you got to take. But did you do you still fly fish? Did you enjoy that? Well, I didn't grow up with fly fishing. I haven't fly fished since. Well, actually, I did with my kids recently. Um, cool. But I, yeah, I, I don't fly fish. It was a fun experience. You know, that was the last time I think I saw my friend Tim, you know, Tim Shaw. We were roommates. Um, but that was the last time he and I hung out because he loved fishing as well. And I think he was in the class. We caught we caught the fish, but then we put it back in. You know, where I'm from, we, we put this thing on a it on the fire. <laughs> yeah, you did the right thing. <laughs> oh my well, yeah. gosh, that's that's a great memory, and uh, you've got a fascinating resume, and it sounds like you're only going to continue to add to that. So uh, we really appreciate you coming on the show, Tamba. Uh, we won't keep you any longer. I know you're you're taking your family for a nice holiday, nice vacation. Have a great holiday season, and thank you for coming on. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me, um, Tom and Matt, Greg. Yes, sir. I appreciate I appreciate it. Um, you guys were great. Thanks for having me and 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 happy holidays. Yep. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.